0: Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. We hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message.
1: Solve for X. X marks the spot. X factor. It may be the most mysterious letter in the English alphabet, but X is more than just a letter. X is the key quantity in algebraic equations. The X axis is the horizontal line in a coordinate plane. X is the multiplier. X is the outlier. X is the crossroads of what came before and the cutting edge of what comes next. It's the common denominator, the uncommon quality, in those who made their mark, those who leave a legacy. X is the anointing. The difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. The difference between possible and impossible. The difference between natural and supernatural. You are called out, consecrated, created. For such a time as this, for such a place as this, it's a new anointing for a new season, X.
0: Well, happy new year, everybody. Hey, let's give a big welcome to Church Online and our live locations. (laughs) Joining us today, I'm Pastor Tim. So happy you're here for the kickoff of our new series we're calling X, or the X factor. Turn to your neighbor right now. I want you to tell him X marks the spot. Go ahead, tell him. X marks the spot. Better yet, X should mark you. That's right. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be known as an X man or an X woman. Let me explain this. In the Greek alphabet, X is the symbol for the first letter in the Greek word for Christ. It actually comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one. That's what Christ means in the New Testament, the anointed one. Did you know that? Uh, Christ is actually a title, not a name. A lot of people think, well, that's God's name. You know, first name Jesus, last name Christ. But Jesus was the Christ. That was his title, Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, or the one empowered by God to rescue and ransom his people and restore us to rightful place as anointed ones. Amen? Now, here's what's kind of cool. In the early church, Christians had a secret symbol. They used the symbol X as a way of saying, hey, I'm a follower of X, of Christ, how about you? And what they do is they draw half of the X in the sand at their toes, and the other would cross it in the shape of the cross to say, hey, I'm an Xer, I am a Christian, an anointed one who follows the anointed one. I'm anointed, you're anointed, Christ's spirit is in me, it's in you too, amen? And so that's the theme of this series, the X factor a new anointing for a new season. I'm curious. Quick, show your hands. How many of you would love a fresh anointing from God to start this year? Okay, anointing is just the Bible's way of describing the power of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. Our theme verse for this comes from 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. I want to invite you to read it out loud with me. All of our camps, this big loud voice. Here we go. Ready? As for you, the anointing you received from Christ remains in you as his anointing teaches you about all things. And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. That is, as you remain in X Christ, the anointed one, the anointing of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, flows through you. Bringing power, favor, gifts, fruits of the Spirit. Think of it this way. The anointing is the difference between the best that you can do in your flesh and the best that God can do by his spirit. Amen? The flesh counts for nothing. God's anointing is the X factor. God's anointing is the it factor. And so I'm like, man, I want God's best. I want all the Holy Spirit in 2024. Make some noise if you do too. You want more of God? Today, I want to answer three questions. First, I want to answer the question, what is the anointing? Let's look at it biblically because it's the birthright of every believer. In Christ, you are an anointed one. God wants to use your gifts to bless others and glorify God. But secondly, I wanna ask, how do you lose the anointing? Because sadly, our world is full of pastors, Christian leaders, ministers who start out strong, but somewhere along the way, they they, they lost the fresh touch of God on their lives. And just began settling for stale old religion or going through the motions. And you know what? God removes his anointing, and you may not even know it. That's a scary place to be. Third question is: so, how do you attract the anointing? How, how do you keep a heart that's that's soft and supple and sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Not half-hearted, but whole-hearted, committed to Christ, so that his power flows through you and produces the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, bold faith, and victory. All right, so three questions. What's the anointing? How do you lose it? And then how do you attract it? Now we're going to answer that by looking at the life of two kings in the Old Testament, King Saul on the one hand, and King David. Now Saul and David have something in common. They were both anointed king over Israel. Actually, they were both handpicked by God and they both operated in the supernatural gifts of God. But their lives had two totally different outcomes. If you have a Bible, you can flip to the book of 1 Samuel I'm going to read the, I, I, this, this week I read, I was just like deep dive. I read chapters 10 through 16, verse by verse. And wow, there's so much drama in here. I'm going to give you the highlights, but I think this opening scene in chapter 10 of 1 Samuel is going to help you understand, what, what does that mean, Tim? What is the anointing? Read with me 1 Samuel 10, verse 1. It says this. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and he poured it on Saul's head and then he kissed him saying, has not the Lord, what's the word, church? Anointed you ruler over his inheritance. Now, let me set the scene for you. Samuel was actually a prophet and one of his jobs was to anoint the king over Israel. And the way they did that in the Old Testament is they would pour olive oil over his head as a symbol of God's spirit being poured out on his life, marking him, saturating him, just setting him apart for special service to God. Now, little language lesson. In the Greek, the word anoint actually means to rub or smear. I've actually brought with me today a little bottle of anointing oil. I actually purchased this in Israel. And it is olive oil, but it has this beautiful fragrance. It's very aromatic. It is sweet smelling. And at Liquid, we'll often use oil like this to anoint the sick. We we actually take a a little drop and we, we smear it. We anoint it and the sign of the cross on your forehead, just as a sign of the Holy Spirit is on your, your mind, your body, your soul. We don't pour it all over your head, right? We just say, hey, a little dab will do you. In the Old Testament, they didn't do a little dab. The text says, then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head. A lot of commentators say it's probably about six gallons. In Hebrew, the word anoint means to pour, meaning he probably took this, big ram's horn, and just poured the oil all over Saul's head. So it's going over his hair, down his beard, over his sweatshirt, just made this big old mess, you know? But that's okay, because whether you have a a dab or you pour the anointing oil, it represents the same thing. What is the anointing according to Holy Scripture? The anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit in and on a Christian's life. the presence of God, supernaturally empowering, emboldening, activating your spiritual gifts for service to the Lord. So here's my question for you. What if 2024 was the year that God didn't just give you a little dab, but actually poured out the fullness of the oil of the Holy Spirit over your family, over your work, poured the oil over your marriage, your ministry, your life, Let me tell you, it's the anointing that makes all the difference. How many of you know there's a difference between worship and anointed worship? Yeah? Okay? How many of you know there's a difference between public speaking and anointed preaching? The anointing is when God pours out his Holy Spirit with a freshness, a vitality, a quickening on a believer's life. Supernaturally empowering, watch this, your natural gifts, right? We all have natural gifts. Um, God gives us different gifts, grace gifts. For instance, I'm I, not bragging right, but I have a speaking gift. That's just the that way the Lord wired me, okay? I didn't like practice. It's just how God wired me. Maybe you have a serving gift. Clint has a musical gift. Maybe you have a gift in design or hospitality or you build businesses. I don't know. Every human being, including unbelievers, have natural gifts given to them by God. It's called common grace. But here's the difference. When God anoints you, he adds some super to your natural. And suddenly what you do is no longer natural. It's not normal. It's supernatural. The Holy Spirit gives you power and suddenly your life has a touch of God. You like, like, I don't know how to say, it. Uh, you can sense the Spirit's voice. You can hear God. He gives you direction. He gives you courage in very hard situations or boldness or favor you didn't even work for. I, I've had moments of this, you know, sometimes when I'm writing a, a message for you guys, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, Lord, preach first to me. And the Holy Spirit will like open my eyes and something will jump off the page. And I'll get this flash of insight or fresh revelation. And, the, and then the Spirit gives me power when I preach it. And people will, will say things to me like, Tim, when you were talking, was like God was talking directly to me. How did you know? Did you read my email? No, praise God, that's the anointing. And we all have one. It's when the Spirit of God breathes on you and the results are supernatural. That's what happened to Saul. Look at verse six. It says, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them. And Saul, so, you'll be changed into a different person. There's a transformational effect. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do. For God is what God is. Say it with me. God is with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's with you. Tell him, God's with you. That's the X factor. The Holy Spirit is with you. So don't make the mistake right now of saying, well, you know, the anointing, that's for preachers and pastors and highly spiritual people at Tim. No, 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 no. God's anointing is for every blood bought believer. If you are a business person, you need a fresh anointing for the marketplace. You want God's anointing with your clients. If you are a teacher, you need a fresh anointing in your classroom. Pray for our teachers, amen? If you are a student, you need God's anointing if you're gonna walk straight in a crooked culture that's gonna mock and make fun of you. Parents, you need a fresh anointing to you raise your kids in this season. Somebody in a brand new season. You got a newborn, you need anointing. You got a middle schooler, you need a double anointing, man. Whatever you do, teachers, construction workers, you're an Uber driver, you need the anointing. Lawyers need the anointing in the courtroom. Nurses and doctors need in the operating room. God's anointing is for everybody. And let me, let me just ask you like, Like if you were having surgery tomorrow, would you prefer a surgeon who's like highly trained, naturally skilled or one who's naturally skilled and highly anointed? Yeah, I want the doctor with the power of God on his life, amen? Now here's the cool part. God's anointing has nothing to do with your age or your experience. God anoints young people. David was a teenager and God anoints old people. Moses was 80 years old when God began using him. In the case of Saul, here's what the Bible says. Look, it says, Saul was how old? He was 30 years old when he became king. And then he reigned for 42 years. Young people, listen up. If you're in middle school, you're in high school, you're in college, you can have God's anointing on your life right now. You don't actually have to wait until you graduate or start a career. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you for service today. If you will seek God's face, He'll smear you with his spirit. And when you, when you walk in God's power, his unction, you're never the same. God will use you for his purpose. Now, in the Old Testament, Saul was anointed. But if you flip over, you'll notice in the New Testament, Jesus was anointed too. In fact, he began his ministry same age, age 30 years old. And it says, when Jesus started, he took the scroll of Isaiah and he read these words. These are the words of Jesus, his mission statement. He said, the, let's read it together. The spirit of the Lord is... On me, Jesus said, because he has what? Anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, his grace. So Jesus is like, man, God's anointing is all over my life. And let me tell you what it's gonna do. It's gonna empower my preaching. I'm gonna proclaim good news to poor people. It's gonna, the anointing is gonna bring deliverance, healing, freedom. It's gonna break spiritual strongholds. Release God's favor and blessing. The anointing makes the difference. It's where Jesus got his power from. The Holy Spirit was with him. Have you ever seen somebody and you just kind of look at them and I don't know, they just walk in the room you're like, man, God just seems to be with her. You know, God's just like with Judy. I don't know, she's like always smiling. She has this glow. Maybe it's Maybelline. I think it's the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Or God just seems to be all over Robert, man. I don't know what that is, but boy, when he talks, it's like he's been with Jesus and he's, that's what the anointing is. It's the X factor. It's the with God factor, the Christ factor. You can't explain it, but you know it's powerful because it brings victory. Again, look at the life of Saul. It says, after Saul was anointed, he assumed rule over Israel and he fought against God's enemies on every side. Moab, the Ammonites, Edom, the kings of Zobah, the Philistines. And wherever... Saul turned, he was, what's the word? Victorious. Anointed ones have victory after victory. Why? Because God is actually fighting your battles, not you. Saul had God's power. He had his protection. He had his divine authority. And as a result, it says, wherever Saul turned, he was victorious. How many would you like that to be your description? Man, wherever wherever Clint went, he was victorious. The hand of God was on his life. Have you ever noticed when you're in flow with the Holy Spirit, things just seem to come easier? You ever notice that? Like you don't actually have to kick down the doors like, oh man, I'm going to try it. God actually opens the doors and you you just step through. God God supernaturally puts you in touch with the right contacts at the right time. Opportunities open up. Deals happen. Or maybe you need a, a fresh idea or a clear word of direction. And God just whispers to you, and you're like, I know exactly what to do. See, when the anointing comes, let me tell you something, man, it's the whole trajectory of your life can change in a moment. My friend Mark says, in ministry, there's days when nothing happens, but there are days when decades happen. For example, you may not know this if you're new, but I believe God has put an anointing on Liquid Church for resurrection mergers, breathing new life back into dead or dying congregations. If you're new, you should know, we launched this church back in 2007. We had no money, no buildings. And for 10 years, we met in rented hotels and school auditoriums that smelled like tuna fish. But there was a single day, eight years ago, when I believe the Holy Spirit supernaturally anointed our church. Like out of the blue, we got a call from older Christians at this 191-year-old church that was about to close its doors. And they asked if they could merge with us and become a campus of Liquid. And that's how God gave us our first building. We, we didn't have a capital campaign. We didn't raise money. These senior saints, the Holy Spirit stirred their spirit, and they donated their $5 million building to us. And we revitalized it together. And It, it, it supernaturally accelerated our ministry by a decade. Now watch this. Mountainside was the first of four mergers in a row. Mountainside, Followed by Garwood. Can we hear for Garwood right now? Come on, make some noise, my Garwood peeps. Pese, come on, everybody, in Wayne. Come on, Dios te Bandiga. Then Princeton. And in a span of seven years, watch this, seven years, we were contacted by four different congregations who came out of the woodwork and donated $10 million of buildings to our church. What? Why? How, what? How, how? We didn't seek it? We didn't ask for it. I can't explain it, except it's God's anointing. It is the sheer favor and grace of God. By the way, that's what I'm praying and fasting for the next 21 days. I am, but the focus of my fast is praying for a church merger in Somerset and Middlesex County so you guys can have a permanent home. I'm like, God, do it again. Holy Spirit, manifest a miracle that will advance your kingdom. Amen. Pray and fast with me for that. You know, it's funny. I was having lunch with a church planner. And he said, I've got a bunch of questions for you. And, he go, and I go, go ahead, shoot away. And he said, um, well, first question is this, how do I get your anointing? And I, I was like, what anointing? Like my hair? Like what? <laughs> he said, no the, no, the one where random people just walk up to you and give you free buildings. And I laughed, I didn't know what to say because it wasn't part of a strategic plan. But it was the Holy Spirit's choice to anoint our church with that. And the results have been beautiful, right? We now have this congregation with five generations, builders, boomers, extras, millennials, Gen Z, all worshiping Jesus, revitalizing the church together. I'm just telling you, when the anointing comes on your life, God can do in a day what it would take a decade for you to do in your flesh. In one day. I guess I'm wondering, what fresh anointing does God have stored up for you in 2024? That he's waiting to release. King Saul was anointed. God was with him. And he led Israel in victory after victory after victory until it all came crashing down. Now, this is the scary part. I'll be honest with you, but I'm about to read you stop me in my tracks this week. actually made my hair and my arms stand up. This is the part I don't want to preach. How to lose your anointing. In 1 Samuel 15, the success goes to Saul's head. That's the danger by the way, of being anointed at a young age. Saul becomes overconfident, too casual and careless in his relationship with God. And he actually loses his anointing. 1 Samuel 16 says this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. But God says, I have rejected him as king of Israel. Do you guys know this? I need to teach you this. Do you know it's possible to be saved and lose your anointing, the power of God in your life. Now, let me be clear about this. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are held firm in the grip of God's grace. He will never let you go. Amen? You can't lose your salvation, but you, you can let go of God. You can actually grow complacent and stop pursuing fresh intimacy with his spirit, right? We've all done that, right? We, we just kind of, I don't know, I haven't prayed in weeks. So you just kind of Stop reading your Bible. You know, I don't know. I just kind of grew out of it. You know, I just drifted. You can let your prayer life grow ice cold. And when that happens, the Bible says we actually quench the Holy Spirit. Quench, you put out the fire. In other words, that anointing that once throbbed and burned bright, it just flickers out and it grieves the heart of God. Look what God says. This is, whoa. He says, I'm grieved. Everyone say grieved. God's like, ah, pains me. I'm really grieved that I made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Did you know you can grieve the Holy Spirit? You can actually make God sad. Think about this. God looks at Saul who was a success at 30 and by 40, he's like, I'm grieved. I am so sorry I ever chose this guy to lead my people. That's crazy. See, the Holy Spirit is not like the impersonal force. The Holy Spirit's a person. He is the third member of the Trinity. And as a person, he has feelings. The Bible says we can grieve the Holy Spirit when we just let impurity in our life. Weeds of bitterness or jealousy of other people, their anointing. Unforgiveness. Well, you know, praise God, but screw her. You let pride into your life. And when that happens, God says, okay, I'm going to remove your anointing I'm going to choose someone else. Look what it says. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you've mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king over Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I've selected one of his sons to be my king. God's like plan B. If Saul's going to squander the anointing, I'm going to replace him with David. And so Samuel actually takes the anointing oil, if you can imagine, to Jesse's house. It's kind of funny because Jesse had seven sons. And Samuel's like, bring him out. And the oldest one is this guy named Eliab. And he's like, tall and muscular. He's like, muy guapo. And Samuel's like, this must be the guy. He's, he's very presidential. He's straight out of central casting. He has good abs. And God's like, mm, yeah, not that guy. He's like, okay, Lord. Next one, God's like, not that one. Next one, not that one. Next one, not that one. And Samuel's like, what? Are these all the sons you got? And Jesse's like, well, here's my youngest boy. I mean, he's just, he's just a kid out back playing in the backyard watching the sheep. I mean, and Samuel's like, all right, go get him. And in walks David, the little shepherd boy, the runt of the litter. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as soon as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and he anointed David with the oil. Now watch this. And the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, came powerfully upon David from that day on. Say, from that day on. Catch this. Saul had a crown, but no anointing. The Holy Spirit left him. David had the anointing of God, but no crown. Guys, the anointing has nothing to do with your position, a title, has nothing to do with your age or experience, has nothing to do whether you have thousands of followers on Instagram or YouTube channel or podcast. You don't have to have any platform. David was obscure out in the field. God chooses who he chooses and he uses who he uses. Now brace yourself for this because I want to read you the scariest pair of back-to-back verses in the whole Bible. This is why my hair stood up this week. In the span of one verse, we see a shepherd boy receive the anointing and a king lose his. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now the Spirit of the Lord had what? Left Saul. Is that terrifying to you? Like two men, both handpicked by God, both anointed, two totally different outcomes. Saul or David, which... Which are you? Take a look at these paintings, by the way, of Saul and David. Look at Saul, by the way. You just see the the anger, the frustration, the tortured mind, eyes down, the dark thoughts. Now look at David, fresh-faced, looking up to heaven, eyes on God. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. Now here's what's crazy you think in this moment, well, this is the moment. David gets the crown, turn it over, Saul. Nope, reality is Saul served as king for 20 more years. In public, no one even knew that the spirit had left him. He, he actually still had his natural gifts. He still had his power, his platform, his influence. In fact, if you read the chapters after this moment, Saul actually leads Israel in battle And he continues to have victory after victory, crushing his enemies. So everyone assumes he's successful, so he's still anointed. No! The Lord rejected him. The spirit had left Saul. See, we don't understand this. We assume if God's anointing leaves, everything in our life will fall to pieces. No, no. You know what the Bible says about gifts? It says, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. In other words, God God will allow your natural gifts to continue to operate even if you are out of step with the Holy Spirit. Even if you are living in the flesh, everything can go on just as normal and nobody will notice the difference except God. Is that scary to you? This terrifies me. Let me tell you, it is a scary thing when leaders lose their anointing, but we see it all the time, don't we? Like, The last five years of church scandals and moral failures. I mean, it's so common now, it's cliche. You read about popular pastors or global evangelists who are flying around the world, speaking to millions of people, and yet secretly unknown to anybody but God is having an affair or abusing women in massage parlors. And you watch a news report and you're like, you scratch your head, like, how could that happen? How many of you ever thought like, was that person even a Christian? Yes! He was saved. At one time, he was listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit, anointed, resisting temptation, repenting of sin. But somewhere along the line, he lost the fresh touch of God and forfeited his anointing. And that can go on a long time, 20 years, before it all comes crashing down. I'm not trying to bum you out, guys. It's just sobering to me. And it explains a lot. Because this text actually shows how a Christian leader can have public power and influence and yet be privately rejected by God. King Saul shows us how a Christian leader can actually preach against sin and be living in sin himself the whole time. Explains ministries that track thousands of people have a huge impact, genuine conversions even, with a leader living a life of secret hypocrisy. I'm not trying to dump on anybody. It happens all the time. Understand Natural gifts still in operation, but the spirit has left the building and no one in public can tell the difference. Wake up people. Just because someone has a platform doesn't mean they have the power of the Holy Spirit. Just because you have a gift of the spirit, you can speak, lead, ideate, influence, doesn't mean you have the fruit of the spirit. See, those are two different things. The gifts of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit. Gifts are about your charisma. That charismata, it just means gifts, spiritual gifts, preaching, prophesying, speaking in tongues but fruits about your character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, humility, brokenness, self-control. Everybody in America celebrates spiritual gifts in public because of the flashy stuff, but God's more concerned about the spiritual fruit, cultivating Christ-like character in your heart, in your hidden time with God. So just let that be a warning. I received this as a warning this week. God's saying, Tim, yes, it's possible to have power and influence in and public platform and even spiritual success and lose your anointing. That's sobering. That's scary. You can actually deceive yourself by saying like, well, I must be okay with God or I couldn't fill in the blank. Lead a small group. I mean, me and God must be like this. We had a great small group. Or I, I wouldn't be able to lead children like the way I do. Even though those things are out of control in my own family. Or just, you know, I volunteer at church. I put my time in. And so, you listen, you can do all those things out of your natural gifting, and be out of step with the Holy Spirit. That's Saul, yesterday's anointing. His life was in the spiritual garbage can by age 40. Now, be encouraged though by David, young people. It's also possible that you have no public influence, position, platform, you have no followers, and the anointing of God is on your life from a young age. From the time that David was anointed with oil, He had to wait 20 long years before he became King. And I've often wondered that, like, was that, you know, it seems like that's unfair. I now see that as a sign of God's love for David. Sometimes God delays our development because he loves you that much. He just knows if he gave it to you right now, it would crush you. And so he gave David those two decades to grow and mature and develop year after year, out in the wilderness, watching sheep. What was he doing that whole time? I don't know, he didn't have a phone. What was he doing? writing poetry. It's maybe why you have read a psalm. Growing his dependence on the Holy Spirit in silence and solitude. Little did David know he'd get anointed with oil and spend the next two decades hiding in caves, running from Saul, who grew jealous and tried to kill David. So I guess what I'm saying is, young people, be patient. Be patient. If God has anointed you, he will promote you. Amen? In his time, Never early, never late, but at the right time. You know, we don't have the time to list all the ways Saul failed. You got to read it. It's, it's like a soap opera, chapters 10 through 15 this week. You'll see Saul is impatient with God's timing. That's one of the signs of spiritual immaturity. When you feel like you've got to make things happen. And so Saul like runs ahead. He does a sacrifice that God said, no, I want Samuel to do that. And he's like, I'll just do it. I'm the king. If you want to lose anointing, just rush ahead of God. Try, try to make things happen on your own timetable. In some ways, success just came too soon for Saul. His anointing outpaced his character. He couldn't handle the pressure and responsibility and his shadow side got the best of him. He had a half-hearted obedience. God actually tells Saul, I want you to destroy the Amalekites. this wicked, bloodthirsty, murderous tribe. And Saul sort of does it, but then he keeps the best of the sheep and goats for himself. In other words, he obeys God, but only halfway. Half-hearted obedience, you know what that's actually called? Disobedience. If you want God's anointing on your life, you do whatever he tells you fully, 100%. And when God calls him on it, then Saul blame shifts. He's like, me? No, it's my soldiers. No, it's Samuel. It's you. It's me. He points a finger everywhere. Excuse me. Saul blames everybody but himself. You know what? Listen to me, lean in. When you're insecure, you fix the blame. But when you're anointed, you fix the problem. Amen? Saul was a very insecure leader, lots of blind spots, including what I think was the biggest one. Fear of what people think of him. When Saul finally confesses, listen to what he says. Then Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, fear of man. And so I, I gave in to them. Saul was a people pleaser. He counted his likes, he read every comment on his social feed. He was so consumed with what others thought of him publicly. He lost sight of what God thought of him privately. You know, the Bible says, fear of man is a trap, but the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Can I just encourage you? Never use your anointing to get clicks, likes, and followers. If you want to attract the anointing of God, you live and you lead for an audience of one. In his book, The Anointing, R.T. Kendall, I can highly recommend this to you. He writes this. Yesterday's man or woman is one who's lost a fresh anointing, is not generally apparent. It has been in God's sight. Such a person thrives with their natural skills, grace gifts, strong personality, influential platform, and leads many people. But God has secretly decided to pass the greater anointing to tomorrow's man or woman. It can happen to any of us, but need not happen to any of us. You know, I was thinking about it this week and I was like, this is gonna be interesting we're going to meet both Saul and David in heaven one day. Think about that. Like, there is no question they were both believers, but their lives had two different outcomes. And so I just like wonder if you had to choose, which path you choose? Would you choose to have power, success, influence, public platform, and yet the spirit has left the building, but no one knows? Or would you choose God's anointing and live a life of humble obscurity with no followers, no mailing list, just a humble heart content to stay and step with the spirit. Because it turns out, that's how you attract the anointing. See, hidden in this story is a single verse, smack dab in the center that shows the difference between Saul and David. When Samuel goes to anoint the new king, he sees that tall one. Here's the strong one. Here's the talented one. And God says, not that one, not that one, not that one. This one, David, And Samuel kind of looks at David, the run of the litter, and he's like, you sure, Lord? And the Holy Spirit quickened Samuel's heart. Look what it says. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, everyone, heart here's the secret of anointing. It's all about your heart. Do do you have a a humble heart, a pure heart, a heart that's sensitive to God's word, that clearly hears his voice, a heart that seeks his face in, in prayer, because that's what attracts God's anointing. David was a man after God's own It's all about your heart. Is it cold and calculating like Saul or soft and supple like David? A shepherd boy who wrote poetry, spent decades worshiping in the wilderness, never forced, never demanded God's hand, but just trusted the spirit's sovereign timing. Friends, don't be deceived. In our world, especially in America, man looks at the outward appearance but God says, nope, I look at the heart. So can I just ask you, like to start the year, how's your heart today? If you had to be 100% honest with God right now, would you say, man, Tim, you're just, woo, woo, I feel it. I got fresh passion for God's word. He's speaking to me. Do you, do, you have a, do you have a secret prayer life, not only to you and God, or do you just pray in public when others are there, your small group or in a huddle? Are you actually pursuing a life of purity? Or is it like half-hearted obedience? Like there's Sunday morning, you that like worships, woo, at church. Then there's like Saturday night, you that whatever, right? Two different worlds, nobody knows except God. That's half-hearted like Saul. God says, I want your whole heart, the whole thing, all your talents, all your gifts, all your hopes, all your dreams, I want you to lay it all at my feet and say, God, use me, all of me for your purposes. I don't want what I don't have. I just need your spirit's anointing and that'll be enough. See friends, there's a mini Saul in you and me that God has to crucify if you're gonna walk fresh in your anointing. Listen, you don't have to live a perfect life. All of us sin, all of us fail and drift from God, including your pastor. God doesn't anoint perfect people. There'd be nobody left. David actually turned out to be a flawed king too. You know this. Once he wore the crown, sat on that throne, Decades later, he fell into adultery and murder, as bad as Saul. You know the difference? David's response to it. Instead of covering up his sin, when God called him on it, David confessed. He didn't get defensive. He didn't shift the blame. He had a contrite heart. In fact, listen to this line of poetry David wrote in Psalm 139. It's like a a page out of his journal. He writes, search me, God, and know my what? Know my, my heart. Know my heart, Lord. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I imagine David down on his knees. He's been anointed by the spirit, but he's also wrestling with his flesh. And he's like, search me, God. Know my heart. Look me over, Lord. Is there anything in me, excuse me, that's offensive to you? Out of line with your spirit? If it is, forgive me, cleanse me, renew me, restore my first love, lead me in the way everlasting. That's how you get fresh oil, with fresh repentance. In Psalm 92, David writes this is one verse, last verse, I'll leave this with you. He says, "I have been anointed with what? Fresh oil. I say say fresh oil. Not stale oil. Another word than old, stale, stinky oil. And let me just tell you, you hang around church enough, if you're not careful? you will settle for the old stale oil of religion where you just show up at church going through the motions. It's another Sunday, another song, another sermon, ready for lunch. And your anointing grows stale like Saul. And maybe you're here today and you remember back to when you were younger in your 20s or 30s and you, and you felt the fire. You heard from God. He, he spoke to your heart. Well, that was 20 years ago. And now you're in your 40s, your 50s and it's, and it's stale. Listen to me, listen to me. You cannot fight today's battles with yesterday's oil. The hour is too late. The world is too dark. You need fresh oil. Everyone say fresh oil. David says, I've been anointed with fresh oil. You need fresh oil to push back the darkness in your family. You need fresh oil in your business. You need fresh oil in your classroom. Fresh oil to fight for your children, your families. Our church needs fresh oil, amen? Make some noise. We need the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we can have smoke and lights and LED screens, but if we start living on yesterday's oil, shut the doors, the Spirit's left the building. It's the oil that brings the breakthrough. It's the oil that brings the healing. It's the oil that brings the victory. You cannot fight today's battles with yesterday's oil. Scripture says, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Make some noise if you're hungry for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. All our campuses, stand to your feet, on your feet. This is an activation moment. I'm gonna call our prayer teams to the front of the stage. At every campus, prayer leaders, come forward. You should have a bottle of anointing oil with you. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, you're gonna come forward in a minute and we're gonna anoint you with fresh oil. If you feel weak, let the Spirit strengthen you. If you're in sin, you're in a great place to be. Come forward and repent. Just confess it to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. Ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, 20 years, two years, two months. We all need a fresh anointing. Amen? I do. I'll end with this. It says, so Samuel took the horn of oil. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to anoint you in the presence of your brothers and sisters. It says, from that day on, everyone say from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Chris. From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Paul. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord came on Terry, on Mike, on Kyler. Wouldn't you love it? If you could leave here today and say, man, from that day on, I came forward and the spirit of the Lord came on me. It's for everybody, young and old, men and women. Bible says in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters, you kids come forward. Your young men, you'll see visions, old men dream dreams. If you hear the voice of God today, you come forward. And as you stand in line, I want you to talk to the Lord. Just confess what's in your heart. Just take it to Jesus for cleansing and ask him to restore and renew you. Put out your hands right now. Put out your hands for a prayer. Say this with me. I'm not satisfied with yesterday's oil. Lord, I want fresh oil. Here's my heart. Pour it out again. Father God, right now as people are coming forward at our campuses, I pray for a fresh anointing, a live impartation of the Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would just release your power, your purity, a fresh hunger, a palpable spirit. I pray for people who are in sin, that you'll break bondages, Father, and habits that have chained them for years would break. I ask for healing of the sick, Father God. I ask for mending of marriages. God, I am asking you to do what only the Holy Spirit can do, and pour out your anointing on us, for we are the anointed ones. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.